On July 4, 2021, in the morning worship service at North Park Church, we experienced technical difficulties and the message of that morning was not recorded properly. This is an attempt to make up for that loss. And so we begin with Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, our text for the morning. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Question, have you ever been disappointed with your government, with those who lead it? Anybody besides me. I mean, have you ever been angry about some ruling from Congress or a judge? Ever been displeased with the president of the United States of America or the governor of your state or your mayor? Ever? Anyone? <laughs> I think of the presidents of our country. Here we are, the greatest free nation ever, and yet in my lifetime, I have more often than not felt disgust or something like it with the person we put in the White House. Even as an eight-year-old, I looked at Lyndon Baines Johnson and wondered why this is the best we could do as a nation. It bothers me immensely. It grieves me. It distresses me. Even the ones I have rather liked were disappointing in some notable ways. And I have always wondered why, why we cannot do better. Am I alone here? I know I am far from alone. Almost every adult resonates with what I am talking about. So here we are on a July 4th Sunday, Independence Day Sunday, and I wanted to say something biblical about the holiday. And one day while at the gym, listening to a political commentary, it hit me. Let's face squarely together the reality of the almost universal disappointment, if not dismay, that humans have with their political leaders, whether elected or not. This is not specific to our country. Many of us are very distressed with our government right now, but honestly, where is it better? China, Russia, North Korea, France, Canada, Mexico? Probably somewhere, but I can't think of anywhere that is notably superior. Human government is both necessary and grievously flawed everywhere it is practiced. So think of what we are remembering on July 4th. That was the day when the Declaration of Independence was signed, sort of. Well, it was the, the written declaration was dated July 4, was not actually signed until August 2. But nevertheless, this is the day we celebrate our national independence from Great Britain and by extension from any other nation. You are familiar with the opening words of that declaration. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And on it went, for about three pages. Few of us are familiar with those pages. Do you know what they contain? Do they set forth the guiding principles for a new government? Do they articulate the proper rights of citizens? Do they establish the balance of powers? No. 
The Declaration of Independence is mostly a set of complaints, grievances against the government, which was at that time located in London. The colonies at this time were British, and the complaints of our founders were leveled against the King of Great Britain, whose name was George III. This revered document of ours consisted of 27, get that, 27 complaints against the government. The soil into which the seed of American freedom was sown was the soil of revulsion with our government. So here we are, 245 years later, and not much has changed, not really. We are still, by and large, disgusted with the government. And I don't think this is a distinctly American thing at all. It may be somewhat American to do something about it, to try to improve it, to work to change it. But the general lot of humanity is to be fed up with our leadership. 245 years ago, our founders decided to separate from England. In 2021, we're now hearing of five counties in Oregon wanting to separate from their state. Shift into Idaho. In Atlanta, the Buckhead community wants to become independent from Atlanta. All of this rooted in grave discontent about government. So how do we as Christians view this reality? How should we? Many of us are terribly dismayed by legal rulings and legislation from Washington and Harrisburg over these last years. COVID has provided yet another predicate for upset with government. Maybe you've wondered about how we could sink so low as a society, about how our leaders could lead us as they have. Lots could be said, but certainly this is true. We have no reason to be surprised. One of the main propositions of our faith is that all humans are corrupt. Human beings tend towards selfishness and pride. And when someone lands in a place of power, these negative traits are only amplified. When I coached high school basketball, one thing I tried to prepare my players for before a game was the temptation they would face to react badly to the officials. We were a Christian team. I did not want a bunch of technicals on the coach or the players. So I would ask my players in the locker room this question. And, and by the way, it was my way of preparing myself too. I would ask them, what will the officiating be like tonight? And they were trained to yell, terrible. And then I would say, so be ready to respond as Christian gentlemen. You see, our ability to respond properly to what we encounter from those in power is partly dependent on having realistic expectations. With regard to political leaders, what does God's Word say? Psalm 146.3, do not trust in princes. Why not? Well, many reasons, but here's one. Isaiah 1.23 says your rulers are rebels. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe. Biblical believers then are to have a very low expectation of the state and its rulers. Very low. Competence is surprising. Honesty, it's a wow. Wisdom, exceedingly rare. The USA is not exempt from this reality. If our leaders at times have proven less corrupt than others, we can and should be thankful. But when they are not, let's not be surprised. The rulers we encounter in Scripture, even the best of them, even the best of them made critical mistakes, but most were plumb rotten, corrupt to the core. We encounter Pharaoh in, in Exodus. He was a power-mad fool. When the children of Israel escape and establish their own nationality, they get King Saul, who tried to kill his nation's top military leader. He went mad. 
Then came David and Solomon. They were the best of the kings, but David sinned grievously and to a degree that dragged the nation into judgment. Solomon, he was brilliant, but spun toward idolatry at the end of his life. Then the kingdom split, and we read on of the kings of Israel and Judah, almost all of whom were terrible. Then there is Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar with their lions and their fire pits. And you come to the New Testament. You get Caesar Augustus, Caesar Nero. You get Herod. I mean, really, what is the likelihood that at any given time we would even have a decent national or state leader? In truth, your disappointment with government confirms your faith in God's Word. We were told what to expect. Why, the text we started with from Psalm 2, it depicts the kings of the earth finding their unity in opposition to God and to His anointed, His Messiah, His Christ. The primary disposition of political leaders toward God is hostility. Why? God presents an option for the loyalty of one's citizens. God is also a king and a great king. And one thing few of us appreciate, is a competitor who makes us look bad by comparison. Well, apart from expecting disappointing leadership, how else might a believer respond? God's Word says clearly to pray for our leaders. You know this, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 2 says, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In a participatory republic like ours, we are free to criticize our leaders. We sometimes should speak out against their policies and practice, but we must never do that without some measure of honor and without plenty of prayer. Then too, because of our form of government, which invests so much in elections, you can love your fellow citizens and serve God by running for office in hopes that you could be one of those rare, high-quality leaders. Consider this as a possible calling from the Lord. I, I was distressed to learn recently that there are several political positions in our county and municipalities for which no single person even ran. In our recent elections, this was the case, I am told. We as believers, we want to have an impact for good on our world. Positions of influence in government, starting with the local government, school boards and the like, provide a way to do that. And obviously, if people of character running is a good thing, supporting and encouraging such persons is good as well. Finally, here's the main thing to see. Scripture shows us the necessity of government to restrain human sin. But then it portrays over and again the failure of human leaders. I mean, even your pastor is trying to lower your state expectations. But there is a place for great expectations. We saw Psalm 126.3, but we didn't read all of it. So let's do that now. That verse says, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. Got it? Okay. So there, is there someone in whom we may put our trust? Of course! The Bible tells us of all these kings who let us down, even the relatively good ones failed us and do fail us. But then, in the fullness of time, something happened. It was announced by angels to some shepherds. 
Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The city of David, that's the place where we look for the promised Redeemer King. That's what the term Christ means. And beloved, He comes to our broken, sad, disappointed world in order to set up a kingdom of righteousness and peace. Our founders rebelled against one flawed government to establish another. And that may be worth celebrating, maybe. But we, the followers of the Lamb, place our hope in a king with no flaws, no policy flaws, no personal flaws, no weakness, no ignorance. How long America lasts, we cannot say. But this king, with his new kingdom, we are promised that he will reign forever and ever. And so we say, Hallelujah. At the end of this message in our worship service, we watch together a video. I encourage you to take a moment to watch. Just go to Google or, or to your search engine and type in, That's My King. Well, do it on YouTube. Type in, That's My King, and enjoy the video clip that I expect will come up. And do pray for our country and its leaders, both present and future. May God bless you and our nation.